love that verse. It's one of my favorite ones. I learned it when I was quite young, and it's just kind of always stuck with me. Plus, it was in a musical, so it was sung, so that really helps it to stick with you all these years. So good to see you all this morning. Glad you're here. I get a chance to share with you. So one of the announcements that wasn't made um, is actually for the youth ministry. If uh, you're going to youth convention, which is the Friday and Saturday before Easter, um, today is the pre-registration deadline, so you can talk to me afterwards about that, if there's any youth interested in going to that. When I was a young youth pastor, I took kids to youth convention. It was a fantastic time. Not a lot of sleep, um, but good anyways. Um, lots of fun. In fact, um, quick quick question here. How many of you are like detail-oriented people? You love the details. You like are the, you like can geek out on numbers and like figuring out all the details and you work, how many, how many of our detail oriented people here? A few of you, you know, it always seems to be in the minority. First service, it was in the minority. I'm so sorry for all of you detail oriented people that have to put up with people like me. So when I was a young youth pastor, I was taking some kids to youth convention. I was youth pastoring just north of Seattle and I was finishing up college at the time and all of my lady youth leaders for this youth convention backed out on me. And so like, I was like, I gotta have a lady youth leader come to youth convention. And so I'd been sitting next to this lovely young lady in one of my classes named Levita. And I was like, hey, you help out with the youth ministry. It's a really big youth ministry. They can like do without you for this event. Can you come help us out? Would you be willing to do that? And so she's like, well, let me talk to the youth pastor and make sure. And so she, she checked out with him. And so she came with us and helped. And it was, it was a great weekend. Our poor pastor's wife also helped out. And she was like in her 60s and something and had to sleep on the floor. Uh, so I felt really bad for her. But it was a great weekend, lots of fun. So we're on the Saturday morning of this event. And I'm, you know, I'm here all trying to be real good at this stuff. And Levita and I were not dating or anything at that time. And, and so... We, 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 we knew there was a problem when um, half the team, the group, went to one Denny's in Yakima and the other half ended up another one. Um, two totally different Denny's and this was before cell phones. This was like, I mean, this is, and Levita looks at me and she says, and with all seriousness, she looks at me and she says, you seriously need to get married because you need a brain. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> there are times she still affectionately refers to me as Scarecrow. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing because, uh, you know, she helps, she helps keep our lives at our home all organized. I'm like the, hey, let's go do this. And then she makes it actually happen because I'm just like, let's go. Just hop in the car and go. And uh, she's like, yeah, okay, we got to have a plan first. And so, so a lot of times, though, we approach the Bible as detail-oriented people. We don't realize it, but we do because we, we hear a message about a great sermon. Like last week, Pastor Dave talked about two little... Two, two stories in the Bible, a wedding and a funeral, and we approach them individually and we learn from them. That's good. That's what they're there for. You can't absorb the whole thing all at once. Um, you know, we might read about, you know, Jacob and Esau or something from the Old Testament or Jonah, you know, and, and we pull some great stuff out of those, those um, stories, those narratives in the Bible or, you know, maybe the prophecies or one of the letters from the New Testament. And, and it's good. It's very good. But one of the things I want to, you know, sometimes we miss doing is kind of zooming out a little bit and saying, okay, what's the whole big picture of this trying to teach me? Because the Gospel of John, which we are, we are looking at all the way up until Easter, and Pastor Dave even encouraged us to read through John before Easter, 
is, is telling us a big story. In fact, John does us a favor by writing this verse at the end of John. That the video was this morning from John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, these things are written. So that's, this is why I wrote them down, just in case you were wondering. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he's like, hey, here's why this is written. This is why I'm giving this to you. So everything he wrote in the book of John is written so that as we interact with it, we can begin to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. Now, what's fun in looking at the big picture, and so I'm going to give you like, we've got the beautiful message this morning and a side assignment. This is like homework for you. This will be great. So this morning, I'm going to give you four main words and one bonus one. And my challenge for you is you reading through the book of John this week, this next week, is to do this. Get a highlighter or a pen. And these four words, five, that I'm going to give you, every time they pop up, I want you to just kind of put a little mark around them, underline them, highlight them, any form. Because, like, the first one is belief or believe. And we've already seen that in this verse. You know, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And it's really interesting because they'll pipe up again. The second one is life, which was in that verse as well. Um, so believe in life are two of them. And we'll get to some of the others here in a little bit. But so John's great because he kind of starts out with this or ends with this theme of like, here's why all this was written. So as you get to the end, you're like, oh. And then you read it again. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I see that. And read it again and again because the Bible is meant to be interacted with again and again and again. And so as we do that, so as we approach that, that's kind of like the end goal. Is like, okay, these things are written as we approach this so that we may believe. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to look at three conversations. And what's really interesting, because if you spend any time at church at all, two of these conversations are going to be very familiar to you. You will have heard a sermon on them or attended a Sunday school class or a Bible study that has talked about one, if not, if not one, both of these conversations. The, third, the second conversation actually falls between numbers one and three, and it's this really short conversation. In fact, as I was reading it, I, was like, I had to stop and think, have I actually noticed that before ever? Because it's a very short conversation. It just kinda, you can easily just pass right by it and head into the next thing. And so we're going to look at these three conversations, but before we do that, we want to, because they're important pieces that kind of help frame the whole thing. Before we do that, we want to kind of get some setup for the conversations. And so we've been in a series called Awakening Faith, and the first week, Pastor Dave spoke about seeing heaven open, and he, he looked at some stuff from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, this conversation that Jesus had with Nathaniel and Philip. And his big idea that week was following Jesus enables us to see heaven open. As we follow Jesus, you know, the things that we can see in our, in our walk with him, following him. Then last week, he did weddings and funerals. Because in the book of John, if you didn't know this, there are seven miracles that John calls signs, seven signs throughout the book of John that before the crucifixion and resurrection that happened, that are, you know, these significant things that John, part of the whole, these are written piece. And so he talked about the first one and the last one. The first one happened at a wedding, changing water to wine, which is wicked cool. You think about changing the molecular structure of water into wine. That's like, and the uh, 
The last one was raising Lazarus from the dead, which is also in its own right, wicked cool. Uh, so, you know, very, very interesting thing. So that was the first and the last, weddings and funerals. And the big idea that week was that um, Jesus is present and powerful in the best and worst moments of our lives. And so this week, we're going to talk about faith conversations. And so we're going to, like I said, we're going to look at three conversations. And so, so kind of some of the setup to these conversations. Um, as we talked about the, the purpose statement of these things are written so that you may believe. And the whole idea behind belief there, this is kind of like a, a big thing. Because often, you know, we'll, we'll, people will say, I believe you. I believe this. I believe that. And without really thinking about what they're saying by saying, I believe that. I mean, like, if you go to Crossroads this afternoon, you believe that if you show up there and tell them that you're doing the Madagascar lunch thing, that they will take 10% off your ticket. Why do you believe that? Well, because we told you, and we're not prone to lie to you. So, you know, you believe us, right? <laughs> right, 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 yeah. You believe us. You're going to act upon that. Belief is tied to action. Belief is tied to this whole idea of trusting, okay, I believe them, so I'm going to act upon that belief. And so as we're setting up these conversations, John, is, John has, has, has ended, ended the, uh, his gospel, his letter, with that. But from the beginning, he kind of starts with this whole, which it can be a little confusing. So I memorized the beginning of John for a class when I was in high school. And, I, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you could, like, go through that thing. And, I mean, how many of you have ever read that and, and stopped and thought, What? Because that was me. I read that, and I was like, what in the world? But I had to memorize it, so I did. And it was years before I even began to understand some of what it meant. And, you know, that John is presenting, saying, this is what I'm telling you about is Jesus. And he was with God from the beginning. He was God. Think of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. Yeah, that's Jesus. He was there, and he has come from above, and he uses one of the words, he uses the word light, with life, which is one of our words, and he uses another one, he is the light. And so that's word number three. We've got belief, life, light. And so, in fact, he says, you know, he is the life, and that life is the light to all humanity. So his life is light to all of us. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, or has not understood it, is not... The, the darkness is, what do I do with this? I can't. He is that light. So we have belief, life, light, and darkness. And so as you're, as you're reading through, I, I, I encourage you, try this. This is really cool as you read through John and look for those words. And so John sets this all up. And then he moves into this whole conversation with John the Baptist and some people. And John the Baptist is like, hey, I am not the one. Here's my testimony. I'm not the one. He is coming after me. And then we have this whole interaction with Jesus and, and, and the baptism and all that happens and Nathaniel and John. And then Jesus, we have the wedding at Cana. And he changes the water into wine and all that happens. And from there, he goes south to Jerusalem for Passover. And while he's in Passover, has a very famous interaction where he drives out the money changers and says... My, you know, my father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And so there's that, that whole event. And then it's funny because he gets into this conversation with people. They're like, okay, so, so why can you do this? Show us a sign. Give us a sign. 
And Jesus has said, I'll give you a sign. Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. And they get all mad because they're like, it took us 47 years to build this temple, and they didn't realize he was talking about himself. And so, But I love this. So this is a... Because the very next event that happens is our first conversation in John chapter 3 is a conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. But oftentimes we start with John chapter 3 verse 1 when actually something very interesting happens right at the end of John chapter 2. Because it says here in verse 23 of John chapter 2, it says, Now while he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing, and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. What an incredible, incredible thing. And you see, it brings us to our first, our first point here, is Jesus knows us before the conversation begins. Jesus knows us before the conversation begins. You know, these people are there, and they saw the signs, and so they believe, but he's, he's like, you know, they, in fact, it, it, it's throughout John, it'll mention that you're, they believe because of the food, they believe because of the miracle, and a lot of them turn away when things get hard. And so they saw the signs, they believed. And Jesus is like, you know, he didn't entrust himself to them because he, he knows us. He knows us. And I know for some, for some of us, hearing that statement, thinking about that, say, really wrap your mind around that. He knows us before the conversation begins. He knows when you are all alone and whether you're crying out to him at night, whether you're feeling like, okay, I may be in a crowded room full of people, but nobody understands or knows what I'm dealing with right now. He knows when you're feeling tired and worn out, when things are going well, when things are going bad. He knows us before the conversation begins. He knows what we're dealing with. He knows what we're wrestling with. He knows, you know, he knows us. I hope you can hear that because it's, it's just he knows us before the conversation begins. And so then the first conversation begins. Now there was a Pharisee, John 3, 1, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And now Jesus, who knows us and who, in these conversations, is really interesting because he just starts, he starts poking and changing the, changing the topic and like twisting things around. And like, okay, so, so he totally, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And we get into this very famous conversation where we get like the most famous verse ever, John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And he gets into this conversation with Nicodemus and Nicodemus is like, okay, so wait, wait a second. You're, you're, you know, I was born and you're telling me I need to be born again. And I born and, and this whole idea, you know, born again or born from above. And it's funny because 
Jesus even stops and says, listen, you are Israel's teacher and you don't know this? I mean, how many of us in our interaction with people or at work or with our kids, you're like, they're tell, trying to explain something to them and they're just looking at you like, and you're like, okay, I know you know this. There is no reason for you not to know this. And we've had those conversations, right? Well, Jesus is having that conversation with Nicodemus because he's like, you're Israel's teacher. You don't know this? Because what he's talking about is within the Old Testament, we learn in the prophets and in, 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 the, um, in Deuteronomy that God was going to give the people a new heart. He was going to write the law, write his word upon their hearts. Because it, you've, as you read through the Old Testament, it shows us that they needed something outside themselves to be able to be the people that God had called them to be. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that. He's saying, hey, you need to be born from above. You need something outside yourself. You need the Father in you. You need to be born again. You need something else outside yourself. That's a hard word. And, uh, you know, and Nicodemus is kind of like wrestling through it. And it's interesting because it gets to the end, of, the end of it. And, you know, this conversation lasted way longer than the two minutes it takes us to read John chapter 3. And so there's some great summaries in here. One of my favorite summaries comes in verse 19, where it's written, this is the verdict. Light, it's one of our words, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Just like... You've got to step into the light and stay there. Now, you may not have noticed this, but I'm a little fair-skinned. I can, I tell my wife this, I could probably sunburn on a cloudy night. It takes very little for me to sunburn. I like spend 15 minutes outside and I like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to burn. I can smell it on me, it's awful. And I'm like, I, I don't tan, I burn, peel, freckle, burn, peel, freckle, you know, that's it. It's all that ever happens. I can't stand sunscreen, but I wear it all the time because I burn. Because I know that I go into the light, I stay in the light, the light cooks me. And it's very sad. My wife, on the other hand, she does not, and she loves the sun. So when we go places, I'll like stand in the shade, and she's over like five feet away in the sun, just going, and I'm just hunkering down in my shade because I don't actually like to put on sunscreen. The stuff is nasty, but we do what we have to, right? And so, you know, but the thing is, is, you know, I know what happens if I step into the light. Things get exposed when you step into the light. I mean, how many of you parents have, like, walked by your kid's room and you turn on the light and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness, this place is awful. What have you done? My kids, we call, I tell them their room is waffle. It is worse than awful. It's, it's waffle. This is, like, horrible. And, uh, you know, because they turn on the light, they hide it well, it gets dark, or you start walking around places, and you're like, what did you do? You cleaned your room, you shoved it all over here. Um, and so, you know, the thing is, is light exposes things, and God wants to shine his light upon our lives. And it's difficult at times because it exposes things. It's like, okay, I have a problem with, you know, anger, I have a problem with this, I have a problem with that, I have an issue I need to work on. And he shines the light. And so, to... As we follow Jesus, we need to be willing to step into the light and stay there and allow him to show us what's going on. Because it's interesting. You get to this, 
you get to this, the end of this conversation and it just stops. We don't actually know what happened with Nicodemus. There's two other mentions of him in the uh, book of John. One, he just kind of, you know, they're kind of like trying to decide what to do with Jesus. And he's like, well, let's see what happens. And the other time is he helps bury Jesus' body. But that's it. We don't actually know if he became a follower of Jesus. No idea what happens to him. And this conversation just ends and goes to the next conversation. And so our first thing is before the conversation begins, Jesus knows us. Our second one, if you want to experience the light, you must be willing to step into and stay in the light. Belief requires intentionality. The third third one, which is in our second conversation, is about John the Baptist. So after this, there's this short little narrative and conversation that happens where Jesus' disciples are baptizing. And there's this interaction, and John's disciples are like, why are they baptizing? And, and, and they're having this talk with John the Baptist. And John's like, hey, you heard my testimony. You heard my testimony. I'm not the one. And he begins to, he begins to have this conversation with them, with them, and he says this. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. He's talking about Jesus here. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth. And he speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. And he testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. So it's very interesting as you read John. And like I said, the the Pharisees after the temple thing, they're like, hey, show us a sign. Show us a sign. It's like they don't want to hear what he has to say. Show us a sign. uh, Nicodemus comes and says, we've seen your signs. We've seen your signs, what you've done. And John's like, okay, so here's the deal. He testifies for what he's seen and heard because he knows us. He sees us. But no one accepts his testimony. They don't want to hear what he has to say. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. And it's really cool because this whole idea of certified is like a stamp, a seal put upon a document. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, whether you were back then, whether you were literate or not, you would recognize the seal. You would recognize the official document. And John's saying, hey, people don't want to hear what he has to say. They don't want to accept his testimony. Now, John tells us earlier, Jesus doesn't need testimony about us. He already knows us. But we, on the other hand, as he begins to speak into our lives, have to decide whether or not we're going to stay in the light, whether or not we are going to accept his testimony about us. And John's like, you know, those who do, those who do have certified it. They've put their stamp on it. They are willing to accept it and make it a part of them. Which brings us to our, to our third point. Am I willing to act upon his authority? Because he has authority. He's speaking into my life. You know, as I said, he knows us. He testifies to us about ourselves. Through the Spirit, we hear God speaks to us. And we know this. Our interactions with us, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and tells us, hey, 
you know, this is an area I want you to work on. This is something you need to deal with. You know, you need to go apologize to that person. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, you, you have this opportunity before you. And, you know, often it's like, ah, I don't want to. I don't think I can handle it. And we back off, we back off, we back off. And John's like, yeah, people don't want to accept his testimony. But when they do, they certify it. They're like, yes, I will take this as a part of me. And once again, the conversation just ends. We don't know what becomes of John's disciples. No idea. Just kind of, it's over. And he immediately goes into John chapter 4, which brings us to our second, third conversation, second famous one. The story of Jesus and the woman at the well. So Jesus starts hearing about things that are going on and heads north. So you have Jerusalem in the south, and you have Galilee, the region Jesus spent a lot of time with, in, in the north. Between Galilee and, Galilee and Jerusalem is an area called Samaria. And so if you read the Old Testament all, and you can read this through this in Kings, the nation of Israel, they had a civil war, and the nation divided. And you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians. The Assyrians were very good about conquest, and they you know, removed a bunch of people, brought other people in, and the other people, they kind of intermarried. It's a very long, interesting, but long uh, study, and uh, lots, of, lots of interesting. But essentially what happens is you have the Jewish people, and you have the Samaritans, who the Jewish people view the Samaritans as half-breeds, and there's some like religious tension that, that's going on and that has to do with where they worship and where they don't worship and what exactly is Scripture and what exactly is not Scripture. And so what would happen often is Jews would go around Samaria to the north. They'd like totally skirt the area and avoid it at all. And it's fascinating because in John chapter 4, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so in, in verse 5 of chapter 4, it says, So when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So this is kind of interesting because in, in, uh, in, in the Old Testament, we start reading it and it'll talk, start talking about water. Lots of interesting conversations happen around water. It's like the, you know, the, the, the drinking fountain and stuff. Everybody starts talking around that. You know, you have Moses, you have lots of stuff with Jacob meeting his wife and, and uh, um, Isaac's wife getting met at a well and all these interesting things happen around water. And so Jacob's well is there. So you're like, oh, hey, water, something interesting is going to happen. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in town to buy food. Oops. Now the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So there's like several things going on there. As I said, the whole Jews don't associate with Samaritans. There's also the fact that um, um, men would not talk to women, especially if it wasn't their wife. I mean, they talked to their wife, but they, I mean like... But, you know, here's, here's a single guy. He would not be just talking to a woman at a well. It was just um, Jesus was breaking all the social etiquette in that conversation there. Not only was he talking to a Samaritan, he was talking to a Samaritan woman. So that would have been like all kinds of faux pas, and Jesus obviously didn't care. Um, so he answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living 
There's that word again, life, living life. Living water. So I know a lot of times people get caught up on that, but here's, here's an interesting thing with living water. Living water is flowing water. It's like in rituals, in the Jewish rituals, you had to have flowing water to purify things and stuff, so they, it would be in these ceremonial jars, and they'd pour it out. It's moving. It's living water. Um, streams are living water. And so in that area, in the area of Sychar where he is, no real living water in the area. They've got a well. And so the lady says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Because she knows the area. She's from the area. She, knows, she would know there's no streams around here. There's no living water nearby. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? And he begins to speak into her life. He begins to tell her Stuff that freaks her out because he knows us. And he talks to her about this life that he has and this life that can be found. And she begins to try to get into a religious debate with him. She's like, she's, you know, he's, he's, the light is shining and she's kind of shying away. So she tries to bring up some sort of religious debate thing about worship. And Jesus steps into that. He like manipulates the conversation to get it back on track and takes what she says. And he's, he's, she's finally, he's like, okay, so why don't you go get your husband? She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've been married five times, and the guy you're with right now is not your husband. And she's like, you know, kind of freaking out a bit. And finally, she goes off to tell everybody. She's very excited because not only has she stepped into the light, not only has she stayed in the light, but now she's certified. She's listening to him, and she is doing something about it. And I love because this narrative, his disciples come back and they once again look at Jesus with like, what is he doing? But they don't ask him about it because Jesus often broke social norms. And so, I mean, how many of us have friends like that? We're like, I'm not even going to ask what they're doing because, well, this is what they do. And so Jesus, is, they, they, she goes back and I love, I love how this ends because the first two narratives, we don't know what happened. This third one, in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. They heard the testimony he said, he spoke about. They heard it, and they did something about it. And you think about that, these other conversations, you know, Nicodemus, hey, signs, signs, I gotta, we love the signs. Who are you? And Jesus is telling them. The other ones, they're like, okay, this is going on. And John's like, yeah, but nobody wants to listen to what he has to say. So they don't accept his testimony. And then we get to this interaction here. And they're like, hey, we heard. We heard what he had to say. And we believe. I mean, how often do we go through life and God is trying to speak to us? He's trying to tell us something We're like, ah, I don't want to hear. I can't hear that right now. I can't do that right now. I can't deal with that. And he tells us, hey, and, and 
you know, I, I love it because God is, he loves us and he is so persistent. And he, he, he works on us from different angles. And like, you know, the spirit working in our lives and helping us grow into followers of him because we need him. Remember, he knows us. Before the conversation begins, he knows what's going on. He knows our tendencies. He knows. I mean, you, you look back through the, through the biblical story. He knows what's going on. Even back Noah, the whole ark thing. Before it happens, God's like, every inclination of their heart is evil all the time. After it happens, every inclination of their heart is only evil all the time. But he still moves forward with us. He's still working with us because we are called to be his light in this world. He has called us to do that. And he knows that we need something outside of ourselves. We need him in our lives working through us to show this world the light that they need to see so desperately. And so what we're going to do is uh, Pastor Dave and the works team, they're going to come up and we're going to sing a song here in a second. I just want, want for us, as we, as, we, as we land this, is what has God been working on in your life? What is he calling you to work on in your life? Because I know in this room full of people, even if it was just a room full of one, that we all have things we need to work on in our lives, that God wants to work on and grow us in and stretch us and help us to become more like them, him. We need him. And so this morning, I just really challenge, and I'm going to pray for you. I want you to think and ask God, God, what do I need to be working on? What do I need to, what do I need to be growing in? How can I better follow you? Listen to the words that you're saying to me and not shy away from it, not step back out of the light. What are you saying to me today? And you may be like, okay, I, I, got, I got nothing. Like, I don't know. I, just, I challenge you. Just spend some time with him. Take this next week. Read John. Read the Gospel of John. And just look at what God has to say to us. Because he wants so much to give us life. Just as John says at the end of his Gospel so that we may believe. And in believing, we may have life in his name. And he wants to give us life and help us shine that life and that light to the world around us. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are, your incredible love for us. And Lord, I, I, I thank you that you do know us. You know us. Before the conversation begins, you know us. You know where we are today. And I just pray that we would listen to what you have to say to us. To not shy away from it, to not run away, but to actually open our hearts and listen. Speak to us, Lord. And give us the strength and the courage to tackle what you say to us head on. We pray that your spirit would fill us and, and help us to do the things that you call us to. To be your light in this dark world. 
Father, thank you that you know us and you love us. Just pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning, Lord. We need you. Just want to take a moment, just as, as every head bowed. You know, maybe you're here this morning, you're like, okay, you know, I know there's stuff God has been speaking to me about, and I'm having a really hard time with it. And I just want to take a moment and pray with you. So if that's you this morning, I just invite you to raise your hand. I remember, yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Father, you, you see these hands, you know our hearts, you know us, Lord, and just pray that you would. Once again, Lord, give us the strength. For those, those who've raised their hands, Lord, that you just help them to make the step, take the steps that you, they know they need to make. To do what you've called them to do as they follow you. We need you, Lord. Thank you that you're here with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just invite you to stand.